This week, uh, we are looking at Proverbs again. Uh, so uh, last week, uh, Darren kicked us off on this uh, summer series uh, looking at Proverbs. And uh, we're looking at Proverbs uh, through uh, the lens of different themes. So uh, we're starting with the two kind of really big themes uh, in Proverbs. Um, so Darren spoke about wisdom, uh, and uh, this week uh, we've got uh, fear of the Lord. Um, so uh, Darren just showed last week just how much uh, the theme of wisdom in Proverbs points us uh, to Jesus. And we're going to be doing exactly the same uh, thing this week uh, with uh, the fear of the Lord, how that also points us to Jesus. Before we do that, though, I have a slide with a quiz. This is, a, this is a not for the kids quiz. It's, well, you might you can join in if you want, but it's quite hard. This is a hard question. What do all of these pictures have in common? They all sell stuff. Yeah, very good, Florence. Heidi, I'm sorry, Heidi. Well done. That is good. They all sell stuff. So they're all companies. Is there anything else about them that they have in common? Are they American? No. Yeah, Tata is Indian. Very good. The clue is in the most obscure one that you don't know. You won't know unless you've lived on the south coast. Um, and because around here it's called William H. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the clues in the name Fox and Sons. Yes, well done, Jenny. Were you, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, go on. Yeah, God made the people that made those businesses, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, so they're all family businesses. Um, so well done, Jenny. You can have a prize later. <laughs> Gold star. A Mars bar. A Mars bar, oh yeah. Um, so um, the thing about family businesses is that they are handed on uh, from generation to generation. And we're, we're going to be looking a little bit about that in Proverbs, because that's exactly what was going on uh, in Solomon writing Proverbs. Um, his father was King David. He was the king after him. And uh, God promised to David that there would be generation after generation um, that they would uh, rule his people. So let's look at some of the verses uh, with, uh, that contain uh, this idea of uh, the fear of the Lord. That should be on the next uh, slide, Peter. Um, so, uh, first of all, these are just, this comes up a lot, but I've just picked out four key ones here, just as examples. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The woman folly is loud, she is seductive and knows nothing. You've got a bit of a contrast there. Um, Chapter 15, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but whoever listens to reproof gains intelligence. 
chapter, uh, sorry, um, verse 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honour. And chapter 24, my son, fear the Lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise for disaster will arise suddenly from them and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. So, quite hard-hitting stuff. Um, Pithy statements that are easy to remember. And the whole, as I, as I was saying, it's, the idea is that Solomon is speaking, uh, he, he, it's there in, in chapter 24, my son. He's addressing it to a son. He's address, addressing it to the generations that follow. You need to get this. If you don't get this, it won't go well for you, so, sooner or later. And another thing that I... It's noticeable about all of these is the idea of the fear of the Lord. He wants to, um, his son to understand this. Um, is it's linked to knowledge? It's linked to wisdom, and it's contrasted as well. So you've got the opposite of uh, wisdom, the opposite of knowledge, the opposite of the fear of the Lord um, is folly, is stupidity, is ignoring God. So, where does the fear of the Lord come from? I think as we grow up, there are people who are significant in our lives. It might be our father, it might be other people, uh, who will say things that stick with us in this soundbitey kind of way, the kind of pithy thing about Proverbs. There might be things in your own life where you just remember, oh yeah, so-and-so said that to me and it was actually really significant in helping me direct my life. But the thing about that is you always remember the situation in which they said it. There's a context, there's a this was going on, and then this person said this, and it just opened it up for me. It really helped me. So I think it would be helpful, um, just as Darren did a little bit last week as well, uh, to look at where do these proverbs come from, what is the context, what's going on, and how does that help us to understand what, uh, more about the fear of the Lord. So, um, first of all, um, I want to uh, just kind of remind you what Darren said last week, uh, that Solomon, as the son of David, he came in in as king, and he says to God, uh, this is in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, um, he says, you've made your uh, servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child, this one isn't up on the screen, it's just a a short thing, and he then goes on to ask for wisdom, and God says, that is great, I will give you wisdom. And then after that, this is on the slide, Peter, um, we have a summary in 1 Kings uh, chapter 4 of how uh, God responds to this request uh, that Solomon made for wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 29. Solomon, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and the breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. Um, just as a side note here, I th- this is, as I studied this, this is fascinating because uh, the people of the East, it refers to um, Job. Job, he was from the East, he was from the land of Uz. So it's, re- it's in here, we have a reference to all of the different other wisdom books. It's a little summary. It's, I think it's really cool. I geek out on this. But, um, so uh, we have the people of the East... Um, We've also got, uh, in verse 31, all of these teachers. The the book of Ecclesiastes is written by the teacher. 
Um, so it's kind of a, a reference to there, some people think, as well. So it says, he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, and Heman, and Calcol, and Dada, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, those proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Very specific number there. That's the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. So we've got all of the, book, the wisdom books summarised in these few little verses. Verse 33, he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He also spoke of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So we go from this kind of summary of the wisdom books of scripture and then it just starts talking about trees and animals. It's a little bit of a, a strange jump. Where does that come from? It's really interesting that Matthew brought something from uh, Genesis. Right at the beginning of Genesis, we have Adam. What was he into? What did he have to do? Yeah, and he was naming all... So he knew all the names of the birds, the beasts, the birds, the reptiles, and the fish. So we're outlining a silhouette of a figure like Adam. And his commission was to rule creation. We, we're meant to be asking the question, oh, okay, if this person looks a little bit... This Solomon looks a little bit like Adam, is he going to be a greater ruler? Adam knew a thing or two about trees as well. Um, as we know, the Garden of Eden had many trees, and there was one particularly famous one, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Is Solomon going to get his wisdom, his knowledge, like Adam did, by taking it for himself, doing what's right in his own eyes, or from fearing the Lord? The links back to Genesis get even more interesting when you go to chapter 10. I've just got the first three verses of this up here. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. That's a new word to me. I've never heard that word before. It apparently means advisors, people with her. Uh, With camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon... She told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And the rest of the chapter 10 goes on to uh, talk more about that. I think it's really interesting here that the Bible calls this a test. It's a test for Solomon. She comes in verse 1 to test him with hard questions. So if Solomon is fitting into the silhouette of Adam, what was Adam's moment of test? We often think about Eve being tested by the snake. But as she brought the snake's wisdom to Adam, the, 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 the idea that you can take from this, this tree and that you'll get uh, wisdom for yourself, there's a test for Adam there too. There were hard questions for Adam to answer, just as Solomon had these hard questions here. So we have this mirror held up between these two stories. 
But in this case, Solomon answered all of her questions. So he passed the test. This is not a test in an exam kind of way, but this is like a, what it means is like, it's more like a test of character, a test of moral fibre, a test of uprightness. So this Adam-like figure, Solomon, passes the test where Adam fails. It would be really great if we could just close the book here. <laughs> Job done. Here we go. We've got a better Adam that we've been waiting, all been waiting for. But the thing is, tests of this nature, not exam tests necessarily, although sometimes they are, they prepare us for what comes next. I was thinking about what kind of test is like that that, maybe, that I've experienced, maybe you guys uh, would have in common as well. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, actually, the driving test is quite a lot like that. You pass the test to do something, but the thing that's more significant is what you go on to do after that. You're, you're let loose on the road. I passed my driving test uh, age 21, and um, I struggled to learn to drive. It did not come naturally to me, and uh, I'm getting uh, laughing from the back, uh, because I, I did pass my test on the first time, but I felt like I shouldn't have passed and so I did this thing they, they did at the time. I don't know if they still do it. It's called Pass Plus. And you, um, yeah, getting a few nods from around the room, that's a, that's a thing. Um, and uh, the idea of Pass Plus is it gives you more experience. You go on different kinds of roads. They take you on a motorway, on country lanes. And I don't know of anybody that's failed Pass Plus. <laughs> except me I failed um, they didn't my driving instructor just said I, yeah I don't think we need to, to finish this I, I, that came after the, um, the lesson where we did country roads and there was a dry stone wall and the passenger side mirror made contact with the dry stone wall for quite a long period of time <laughs> my point is that I got better from there, don't worry. Um, uh, before nobody ever wants to lift from me ever again. <laughs> My point is that the driving test is a test that prepares you for what comes next. What comes next for Solomon? Let's read chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Verse 3 is quite extraordinary. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Surprisingly enough, his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wife turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord as David his father had done. So Solomon passed the test 
He passed his driving test, but then went on to crash the car on, on Pass Plus. This was not dragging the, dragging the wet mirror along a dry stone wall. This was like full-on straight into a brick wall. This is bad. And Solomon writes Proverbs to warn us not to make the same mistakes that he did. I think that in reading Solomon's story, I think it's almost like there are two Solomons here. There's the ruler that is filled with the wisdom of God and the fool that lives like there's no God. The same two characters that we see in the Proverbs. In the same way there are two Adams in Genesis, the one who rules the garden uh, with Eve in harmony with all creation, and Adam who is a fool. He takes the fruit as if God wasn't even there. I think, actually, it's certainly true for me, I think it's true for all of us, that there are moments in our life where we've acted like there's no God, and we've done what seems right to us. There aren't really any exceptions to this rule, Apart from one, thank goodness for that. And that's Jesus. There is only one profile of Jesus. He is the perfect example of fearing God, of hearing God and doing what he says. Jesus started his ministry standing in Eve's place. What does he do? He goes out to the desert and he hears the devil speaking to him tempting him, testing him. And he answers the snake rightly. Then at the end of his life, there's a kind of inversion of Adam taking the fruit from the tree of life. Adam takes, Jesus gives. Jesus gives himself the source of life on a tree of death, on the cross. And now he is the perfect Solomon, the perfect king, sat down at the right hand of the Father, ruling the world in justice and in righteousness. And he prays for us. He prays for us that we would know wisdom, that we would know life, that we would know him. I started by talking about family businesses. Family businesses where the knowledge of what to do to make this business work is passed down from generation to generation. Solomon's was not a family business, but it was a commission that he'd inherited from Adam to rule, to rule the world, to rule God's people. And God made it clear that from Solomon's line, there would be one who ruled perfectly, and that was Jesus. Solomon was really clear that good decisions would result sooner or later in good outcomes, and bad ones would create problems down the line. Maybe not necessarily for his generation, but definitely for future ones. So he says, learn the fear of the Lord, my son. It doesn't get much more important than that when your commission is to rule creation. But God saw that each generation would not choose well and the consequences would pile up and up. And that's why he gave Jesus. 
this inheritance to rule God's people would fall to him and he would carry it well. He took all the, all the inheritance that he didn't deserve, as, of course, as well, all the consequences for the bad choices and crushed the power of them when he gave himself at the cross. So I've just got two ways I just want to apply this, to round this up. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, he is not somebody to just observe and admire. Jesus calls to us and he says, do you want in, do you want out? He's asked the same question to every generation. The Bible talks about being born again. Solomon said, I'm like a little child. I don't know wisdom. All of us have to unlearn the wisdom of Adam, the wisdom of Eve, and learn Jesus' wisdom directly from him. So if you, don't, if you don't know Jesus, please come and, see, come and see me afterwards. Come and see anybody who's seen up the front today. Um, we'd love to chat with you about what Jesus has meant for us. The second way, I just feel like God's laid on my heart for this morning. For many of us, there have been, or are right now, Moments that we could describe as moments of test. Testing times. And when you have testing times, there can be a fear of getting it wrong, of failing the test. Because of Jesus, we don't run out. We don't run out of, time, of times we can come again. When Solomon met the Queen of Sheba, a bit I didn't read from the beginning of his reign was that he'd made a, a marriage alliance with, with Egypt. Not a great plan. That was the, that was the seed that grew into the, the bit that I read up uh, that was up in the screen for chapter 11. It kind of went a bit crazy, ended up with 700 wives, all the rest of it. It doesn't matter what has gone before, you can still make the decision today to follow Jesus, to follow his way, and he will help you where you are at right now. He loves you. He wants the best for you. So, if it's okay, I'll invite the band back up, and uh, we're going to finish by worshipping, and I just want to pray for us all. I want to pray for you, if you don't know Jesus, that you would know him, and I want to pray for anybody who's just feeling that, actually, this is a moment of test for me in my life, yeah, I can recognise that. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah. 
So I'm in a test, but I really trust in the Lord. And then uh, now I was told, not then, yeah. but uh, since they wanted me to meet and have a meeting, they didn't know because I have been very much patient with them. They never thought that I would bore speaking. That they thought the take my words and send me back. But the God gave me the proper words. Now they have been in a big mess, and but I didn't go to home office or anything. But from Sri Lanka, then I got a message. These people have talked with some other people, and then they told me within two weeks you find a place, a job. Because I didn't want to make, put them in a, this thing, but uh, when it comes to, to a like problem to me, I have to. <laughs> I can't anymore protect them or whatever. And now I. Without doing any harm to them now, I have to find within two weeks, I have to find a job in this country with a sponsor. So otherwise, uh, okay. <laughs> I have to go to the people where I have to go and tell this company is wrong and this and that. So I think I like everything to happen peacefully. I don't want to put anybody in, in trouble yeah. and as well as myself. Okay. So within two weeks. And I didn't have a place only yes, uh, Today I'm moving to another place. Okay. Because the place, there was a lot of things and they steal my money, everything. So... Uh, I'm not driving, so when I found a place, it was 11:30 at night. Okay. So, but all the time I felt that God is with me. God brought several people whom I didn't know at all. Yeah. So I'm really thankful to God at the same time asking to pray. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Lord, I thank you so much that you are in every situation, no matter what we are going through. Thank you that true wisdom is found in you. Thank you that you are not a God who sits back and folds your arms and waits for us to sort it out, but you sent, you, you came to us. The Father sent the Son to be present with us. Thank you that you are present with us in our, in our times of testing. And we just need to reach out to you to know your wisdom. I pray that we would know what it means to fear God and put you in your rightful place. And, yeah, we just, we acknowledge what's gone behind and we, we strain forward for what comes ahead. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you sit down at the right hand of the Father and you pray for us. And I pray that we would know you this week in our lives. We would know your wisdom, we would know your voice, and we would discern you clearly. No matter what is going on, we would know your presence with us.